This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. In Jersey is Ivis Galarsev. What's up, buddy? Hey, Garrett. How you been, man? Uh, I think uh, I think our audience was missing you after uh, after my oh, first oh. Uh, attempt at. I bet they were. I bet they were, Ivis. Oh come on! Listen, I just so you know, the solo the solo episode of the SBI Show got some pretty rave, great reviews. Uh, there were even some people that were telling me it's probably time to let you go. Oh yeah, well you know I I heard that the uh, the producing quality wasn't that good. You know, and since I'm a little bit better of a mediocre producer than you are, I mean, Ivis, you can't let me go just because of that. Well, I actually heard that the show sounded better. I, I, had, a, <laughs> I had at least one, I had at least one person say, you know. You know, you knowing nothing actually produced it better than Garrett did, and I thought that was pretty. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, Ivis, sorry, dude, I'm not. You're why, not going why, anywhere. Why the hate? You're, you're 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 in for the long haul. Oh, thank you, Ivis. Until we get, you know, we're in. We'll, as we move on up, you know, we'll uh, we'll stick together. <laughs> I, I I appreciate that, Ivis. Well, hey, hey. We, we, yeah, like, well, like the Drake song, "No New Friends." You're you're gonna you're gonna stay from day one. Look at gonna... look at you staying hip and young, quoting Drake. I like that. This, Listen, man. Hip hop. I'm. I'm the hip, the hip hop game. That's my thing. Uh, everyone knows that. Even I, though I, I, at this point, I'm an old man. <laughs> hey, you said it. I didn't. I, you know what? I, I'm not even. I'm not even did I? But you know what was cool? Huh? The other, the other day, I'm driving with my kids. Uh, my two boys. Uh, they're nine and they're five. One is nine. One is five. We're driving uh, back from school mm-hmm. and started from the bottom. Came on the radio. And they started singing along, and I thought it was the best thing ever. I thought it was like the coolest moment ever that the two of them were were were, were you know singing along with with started from the bottom. That's your that's your best moment. That's your best moment as a father. Nah, I don't know about best moment as a father. <laughs> I think like maybe my my oldest son, you know, pinning some kids and wrestling might, might might be up there. But uh, no, but for the week at least, it, it was it was a cool moment. Go, well, Ivis. That's uh, that's pretty good. Well, and and like you said earlier, I'm, I'm happy to be back on. On the show after my uh, my uh, fell after I fell off the face of the world the last couple of days, but uh, should we I'm, talk about that? Should we talk, should we let the people know that, no. that you, you you had a little bit of a, a meltdown, a little bit of crisis of, of confidence? I checked out. Yes, yeah, yes, folks. <laughs> Garrett Garrett had a bit of crisis. I of know confidence. it's he shocking. Had melt, he had a meltdown. He went into his shell. <laughs> he uh, he needed some some alone time. And, and now he's back though. Back to back to the happy and confident Garrett. Uh, yes, I I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, "Damn, that's a good looking guy." And the confidence came back. But uh, I was a lot of action this past weekend. I don't get a laugh for that or anything. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I, th- uh, I kind of felt bad for you. Oh my wanna, god! I didn't want to interrupt. Oh anymore. my god! Thank you. Well, all right, Ivis. Uh, Lots of news to talk about. Actually, really lot, uh, lots of news, especially MLS. We never start the show off with MLS, so we're going to talk MLS. We're going to talk MLS expansion. Uh, news came out last week that it looked like in a couple weeks that 20th franchise was going to get announced. And now news came out over the weekend that Manchester City owners are, are, are really have a hand in this. I mean, you live in New York. I, know, I mean, you obviously know what's going on more than anyone else. What's going on? Well, the, the reports came out on Sunday. Uh, the New York Times had a story. Uh, basically saying that uh, Sheikh Mansour, who is uh, you know one of the, the the owners at Man City, is leading the charge uh, to buy an expansion team and put it in New York in New York City. And you know th- this isn't exactly a new development. Uh, it had been rumored a while back, and actually they didn't. It's funny because Man City denied it, uh, but it was a little bit of semantics, I think, in, in that you know they didn't want to make it seem as as if Man City the the club was buying a team in New York, 
but it's pretty much the same yeah. owners. It's the same pile of money that is being drawn from uh, to, to now apparently uh, purchase that 20th MLS uh, expansion team. And it's interesting because when Don Garber came out last week and said that there's, a, you know, it could be four to six weeks and there, uh, and there could be an announcement in four to six weeks about expansion and about the next team. Uh, I think at that point, New York had kind of died down as the favorite. I think mm-hmm. people had, had really started to buy into Orlando as the front runner, as a kind of a new surprising front runner, especially with all the issues uh, with, with the New York bid and MLS's attempts to, to get a stadium project going there. Uh, it seemed like it was a little bit, not dead in the water, but it seemed like it, the, the momentum had, had kind of completely faded there. Uh, but now these reports suggest that not only has, has the momentum not faded, but this new group is 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 in the final stages uh, of uh, you know buying the expansion team, and the stadium project is also apparently close to being done. And if that's the case, if that is true, then it's game over for for the the twentieth team. New York is getting the twentieth team, and uh, I know a lot of people are not going to be happy about that. I know, especially people who aren't from this area, people who don't really know what's going on, like and how the market here is is kind of set up. I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at that and say, "There's no way that should happen. It's not going to work." I mean, what do you what do you mean that's not going to happen? It's not going to work. No, there there are people. No, well, you know what it is. It comes down to this: there are a lot of people who watch Red Bulls games, okay, and see the empty seats and see the fact that they don't sell out this beautiful stadium uh, with this big, you know, with this star studded team. Uh, and, and if they can't make it work, then why have a second team in the market? And I've been saying it forever. I've said it on the show. I've written about it a million times. People need to realize it might as well be another planet when you talk about where uh, being in New Jersey, having a team in New Jersey, and having a team in Queens, New York. Um, you might look at it on a map and say, "Oh, they're they're right next to each other. It's like so close. Like, what? Well, that's why have those two teams?" But you have to if you ha- you either have to know the area or live here or be from here to understand that while on a map, Queens, New York and Harrison, New Jersey look pretty close. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's another planet. Let me tell you, just getting, getting from point A to point B, it, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't happen. You don't have people going, crossing two rivers, which is pretty much what it is. Uh, so you're not dealing with one market. I mean, Queens, New York is, is like, is, New York City and especially Queens, New York, like the, the, there's a ton of soccer fans there who have never embraced the Metro Stars slash Red Bulls because it's too far away. You know, they, they, you know, you, you, not a lot of people take that kind of long trip uh, to support a team. So now, if you put a team in that area and with all the ethnic communities there, the strong, you know, South American and in Eastern European and Caribbean communities that you have there. I, it's, I think it's going to be a huge hit. And, and I think if you have the right owner, the right ownership group with some, with some money and, and some knowledge of the game in place, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. And that's what MLS has seen for all these years. They've seen the opportunity, the opportunity there, because the reality is there's a ton of soccer fans in that area who have never and will never come to New Jersey. And, and I think that's, that's what people that aren't from here, don't get, you know, I think they just look at the, at Red Bull Arena and say, listen, they don't even fill that place. Like, why are they going to put a stadium nearby? <laughs> nearby is such a, such a misleading idea, because I'm telling you, it's just, it is another world. 
Well, the, the numbers on the deal are, are, are huge. They're astronomical. I mean, he's going to pay the $100 million franchise uh, MLS uh, uh, expansion fee, and then it's going to be a three hundred about $350 million privately financed stadium. I mean, so it's already $450 million that he'll be spending. That's that's a lot of money, Ivis. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. you're talking – if somebody's going to step in and spend half a billion dollars yeah. with a B – to, to, to get a team and you, you kind of think they're going to, you know, take it seriously. They're going to take that investment seriously and they're going to, and they're going to run the team the, the way you hope it should, should be run. And, and I know some people will rightly point out that, Hey, uh, Red Bull, the energy drink uh, spent a ton of money. They spent probably a quarter of a billion dollars between the stadium buying the team. And yet they've completely mismanaged that team since they took over um, so how is it going to be different? And, you know, that's a fair question. It's a fair question. Uh, why will they succeed where, uh, you know, the Red Bulls haven't? And I think it's, you know, the, the one big difference is with the Red Bulls and with Red Bull is that they were taking over a club that had been around for more than a decade and had spent a lot of that time being terrible and being run terribly and alienating fans and 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 really not cultivating the fan base here so you know when red bull came in it was kind of the 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 perfect double whammy of they inherited they inherited a a mess and then they kind of made it worse or kept it as bad so that's why for people who don't who wonder why they don't sell out red bull arena why they don't do better in that front that that that's really a big part of it you know they they you know they inherited a mess and they really haven't done a good job up until this point of, of, of running it in a way that it can really succeed um, with a New York team. You're talking a new, this is, you know, if we've learned anything in MLS, mm-hmm. when MLS has expansion teams come into the league, they do well to start. And then it's it, it, when you first, first get in the market, um, you do well. And, and then, then it's up to the team to take advantage of that, uh, of that early success and build on it. I mean, and, and you know, when you talk about a Seattle you talk about a Portland, uh, you know, they did what, you know, Seattle, definitely, they did well to, you know, take advantage of that early success. You know, they won some U.S. Open Cups. They built an exciting team. You know, they haven't won a championship, but, they, you know, they're a good team. They played good soccer. They've really cultivated the fan base there. Portland's doing really well now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still, it's still, an early, it's still early going. But if you don't do it right, you can, you can end up like Toronto, where you know when the, the first years in Toronto were amazing. I mean, the fan—it's it, kind of funny how it seems like that was so long ago. But I mean, I remember the, the the first couple of years in Toronto and how great the crowds were there. And I remember going up there and sitting in the stands and 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 experiencing the the vibe there. And, and it was great. And you thought this is this is gonna this is great. This is gonna go on forever. And now not so much. I mean, if you watch, if you all you had to do is watch the Toronto New York game this weekend and see all the oh, yeah. empty seats. It was ridiculous to think about how six years ago uh, it, it was a sold-out uh, BMO field. And now, even with Terry Henry coming to town uh, on a beautiful day in Toronto, and, and they have, and, and it's like a pretty empty BMO field. And that shows you what not running a team well, uh, how it can hurt you. So but getting back to the, to the main point, when you have an expansion team, a new, a new team in an area – it, it, it you get that bump you get that that it's like the new car smell it's like it's a new club people come out they're excited exactly people are excited people are curious uh so they're gonna it's gonna be a huge hit to start 
And and if you figure if they're spending half a billion dollars, they're going to make sure that, you know, they're, they're running things the right way. Um, so for me, again, I think it's going to be a hit. Uh, you know, will they win championships and all that? That's a whole other question. The question, you know, the, ma- the main point is, will they run the team well and will it be a success? And, and I think it will be. Well, do you, do you think someone told him that he that this is a salary cap in MLS? <laughs> that's hey, a, well, you know, listen, I mean, seriously, you do, do you think someone was like, hey, you know you can't spend like, you know, $100 million on players. There is a cap in this league. I mean, seriously, right. do, do you think this, I mean, obviously someone had to tell him that. Well, here's the thing, right? New owners, new owners have been coming into the league a lot lately. And, and, and some of these owners have some, some good money, some, some, you know, deep pockets. And for that reason, you have seen the spending go up. You've seen the salary cap go up. You've seen DP slots increase. Um, so I, I think with, as new owners come in, especially owners with really, really deep pockets. I think they're, they're going to push the envelope. But that being said, I don't think, I don't think one owner coming in uh, with, those kind of, uh, with, with those kind of deep pockets is going to suddenly make the league change as a whole. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure that uh, those owners coming in, if anything, they, they, they probably see that as a, a pretty prudent uh, uh, structure that's in place. And, and, they, and they, I'm sure they'll realize, and I'm sure they've been told that, listen – while you can't just spend like you spend at Man City, there are mechanisms in place <laughs> for you to flex your muscle. Uh, where whether it's using the DP slots or spending as much money as you want on the on the academy. I mean, I mean, listen. When you think about the fact that if those Man City owners are smart and, and they put some serious money into mm-hmm. an academy in New York City, I mean, there's tons of talent there. Then New, New Jersey's right there. Then you can get into that whole kind of rivalry of, of of trying to you know battle for the talent that's in new jersey and, and and new york and connecticut uh i think it's exciting man i think i think that uh you know i think the owners those potential owners would still be able to do quite a bit to make sure that their team is a winner uh before we uh move on and look at the games this past weekend real quickly with this last thing where does that put a team like orlando city and you know the, the cosmos have always been in the rumor for that i mean what happens now i mean do we, when was the i mean seriously i guess when, when was the next could we see expansion within the next another team within the next five years at all you know it was so it's funny because for years it, it seemed like the idea was that team 20 would come in and then the league would shut down the league would 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 you know, put a few years between Team Twenty and and the next kind of few teams, mm-hmm. but honestly, at this point, I don't know if that's that's possible because I think Orlando has really stepped up, really come through with a big, with a strong bid, uh, a pretty what seems like a pretty good ownership group, a plan for a stadium. I mean, they have everything in place, and I, and I just don't know if MLS is in a position where they can look to look at Orlando and say, "Sorry, guys, uh, you know, New York beat you to it." Uh, you know, come back in five years. I don't think that's realistic either. Um, that being said, you know, I, I think it, it does hurt in Orlando in terms of having it happen sooner than later. I think maybe now that that puts a little time in between, maybe they have to wait a year longer. Uh-huh. Um, but I think Orlando Orlando's going to happen. I think it. I think it's looking good for Orlando to happen, and that's saying, uh, saying a lot. I mean, two years ago. Uh, you know, when it kind of the, the first rumblings ever came out about Orlando as a possibility. I mean, I'll tell you, man, I, I thought it was silly. I was like, really, Orlando? No, no way. Um, and slowly but surely, you know, a, as you saw the, what they, they've done in the past year, in the past six months, especially, you, you kind of can see it. You can you, you can kind of buy into the idea that it can work. Um, 
I don't think it's a no-lose situation. I don't think it's, uh, you know, obviously Orlando and the folks there, they're completely behind it. They completely believe in it. Everyone in Florida, uh, you know, uh, Franco Panizza, our own staff writer, will never shut up about Orlando. He, he wants to tell anyone oh, that listen time that, out, that time out. Did you just drop Franco in this show? Ugh. <laughs> hey, he's our, he was our first writer on SBI, so I don't, I don't mind uh, I don't mind dropping his name on there. But, oh my you know, God. he's a guy. For, he's from Florida. so Franco anyway. is the worst person to go out with in the world. I just want to throw that out there. I'm not gonna argue that one. Uh, oh, no, nah, you know what? That's that's not a fair because we we've gone out a bu- we've got me and him have gone out a lot more than you and him have gone out, and I can tell you we've had we've had some pretty good times. But I've anyway, gone yeah. out with him twice, and when fifty percent fifty percent of the time it's been questionable. So <laughs> Franco's not. <laughs> uh, we we've had some really good times. I get uh, I won't deny that. Um, yeah. But anyway, back to the point. Orlando, I think it'll happen. I just. I just don't know now if it's something that you can say is going to happen in the next year or two. Maybe they have to wait to 2016. Uh, what's, what, or, or 2015 would be pretty ambitious at this point if New York is going to come in uh, pretty soon. But I do see Orlando being right there, ready and waiting if anything goes wrong with this Man City uh, bid situation or, or with the Sheikh Mansour uh, situation with, with this New York bid. If anything goes wrong... If the stadium project falls through, because obviously that's a that's the big issue, you know, people the, the yeah. bureaucracy in New York uh, is 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 no joke, you know, like de- dealing, you know, get, ma- making everybody happy in the process of trying to build this stadium and trying to grab this parkland to build this stadium is is not easy. So if anything goes wrong there, if and if Man City, if Sheikh Mansour decides, you know what, listen, I'm taking my half a billion dollars somewhere else. Orlando's right there. Orlando is. It, it, I think MLS would run to Orlando and say, "Yes, yes, come now. You, you are you are number twenty. So, but I think right now they're on standby. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully everything works out. I mean, this definitely thing. This project seems to develop developed a lot of steam very quickly, and uh, hopefully, it can ride that and everything can work out. And I mean, I, I saw somewhere that the team is planning on playing by twenty sixteen. I mean, that that is going to be quick and soon, and it's going to be. It's going to be very exciting over the next couple weeks. As we said, Ivis, early in the show, there was a lot of MLS action this past weekend. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about one big game. Your team, the New York Red Bulls, uh, defeated Toronto FC 2-1. to one. And for the Red Bulls, things are things are looking pretty good for them right now. I mean, they're 3-1 and one over their last four games. Tim Cahill gets two goals in the game. And uh, I mean the Red Bulls, Ivis. Things things are going well for them right now. You always have to put things in perspective. And while I will say, you know, it, it's a good result on the road. Anytime the Red Bulls can win on the road, it's a good thing. But once again, we're ta- we have to look at the opponents. We have to look at the, I, the exactly. level of, level of competition. And Toronto FC, while they are an improved team, I mean the fact that they keep on giving up 90th minute goals is ridiculous. It's unbelievable when you think about. It. I think this is my this. It might be the fourth time in their last five games. I could be wrong. That sounds about right. That they've given up a 90th minute either equalizer or a, a game losing goal. So, um, but the, you know, not to rain on the parade. You got to give New York credit. Dax McCarty didn't play. He was injured. And that going up there, you had to think, oh, you know, they always struggle on the road. They don't have their their most consistent midfielder. Uh, you know, it's not going to look good. But you know what, <laughs> Tim Cahill, you have to give him credit. He stepped up. Uh, played his best game as a Red Bull, silenced some critics, 
uh, and answered some questions because I, I t- it's interesting the timing of it because I, I know I recently mm-hmm. uh, there there was uh, t- Tim Taylor Twelman uh, and Alexi Lalas uh, apparently had some had some things to say about Cahill being a bust about him not being worth the money as a designated player and that, and they they're not alone in that thinking that there's you know there's that, that's kind of a popular sentiment uh out there that that Cahill isn't worth the money and uh because you know he hadn't scored any goals he didn't you know he so he hadn't gotten on the scoreboard and I tell you it's an interesting case the Tim Cahill situation because you know people look at the salary and they say you know what if you're if you're a DP if you're making three and a half million dollars you better have 20 goals or 15 goals 10 goals and 10 assists you better be lighting up the scoreboard and and you know what I I, I really wonder if that is the only criteria for determining a successful designated player, I don't know if that's necessarily the case because you know what teams, I think at a t- back when there was only one DP, right. Or one or two DPs per team, you know, you could maybe make that point and argue that, you know, goals and assists should be what matter. If, if you're going to use a DP slot, it's gotta be somebody who likes the scoreboard or, or sells a ton of tickets, you know, David Beckham, that Quatemont Blanco, you know, that sort of thing. But when you're talking about now teams can have three designated players. Um, and if you can use one of those slots to get yourself someone who, who does other things, someone who can be a locker room presence, someone who can be a leader, someone who can lead by example and, and, and put in a ton of work all over the field, um, you know, who's to say that a team with deep pockets shouldn't be able to spend uh, big money to bring in a guy like that, you know, and I think Tim Cahill is an example of that kind of player who, you know, while he had struggled and while he hadn't scored a goal, uh, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any denying the fact that the guy gives his all and he's all over the field putting in work. And, uh, the funny thing is in the past week alone, uh, week and a half, mm-hmm. uh, I had two MLS coaches that I had conversations with, asked them both about Tim Cahill and both coaches c- couldn't stop raving about Tim Cahill how much they love Tim Cahill and would love to have him on their teams. And, and you know, I, I, I mentioned that on Twitter. And, and in a response from some people were like, oh, I don't think those, those coaches would take him for that money. And I'm like, you know what? Coaches don't pay the salary. Um, you know, it, it, the owners do. Like, the owner of the team does. And let me, let me put it this way. If you, if you have a rich owner who, ha- who, who tells you, okay, you can use three DPs, you can use these DP slots, but get us good players who are definitely going to make an impact uh, – is, I don't know if you can say Tim Cahill is, is necessarily a failure. First of all, he's only been in the league for uh, less than you know less than a full season so far, uh, and he's already made an impact in the locker room. Uh, you know, anyone who's around the team can tell you the guy is a natural born leader. He's someone who who rallies the troops. He's someone who who leads by example. You know, despite the fact that he's a three and a half million dollar player, the guy. He busts his ass, he, and he embraces that role of being a leader on the team. The guy has poker games at his house with the, with, with the rookies and the younger players. I mean, he's the kind of player that you, you know, would it be great if he was a 20-goal scorer, if he was Terry Henry? You know, sure, but you have a Terry Henry. And along with a Terry Henry, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing to also have a player who can give you those other elements, those other qualities. And this Saturday we saw – that you know, we saw Tim Cahill and what he can do also in that department. That he can score goals, he can lead a team on the field. So uh, you know, people that say that that rip on him and say he's a bad DP, he's 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 not worth that money. I say, you know what? If a, if an owner wants a valuable player, a player who really helps the team, and they don't care how much they're paying, then who who can argue it? You know what I mean? That's what the DP slots for. 
Well, I think with the DP spot, no matter what, obviously you're always going to be under the scrutiny of everyone if you're not, you know, over over things. You know, obviously your play and, and what you're going to do and what you're going to say is going to be magnified no matter what, positive or negative, is always going to be uh, looked upon. Um, but for the Red Bulls, though, yeah, I got to get your thoughts on this. Luis Robles, he, <laughs> I mean, what was he doing? And is he is he done? Is he on the bench? Uh, you know, the only reason he's not on the oh, bench. Okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If, if anyone doesn't know what happened, there was a free kick, and he ran out to like the top of the 18 and missed the ball, and then didn't even track back in the goal. He just kind of like hovered inside the 18. It was it was bizarre. And then Toronto easy chip went in for the goal. It it was it was bizarre, Ivis. Well, the thing is, is this isn't the first blunder no. by him. He's had some really shaky moments in the past few weeks. And the interesting thing is, I mean, when it comes down to it, he would have already lost his job if Kevin Hartman were fit or if Ryan Mirror were healthy. Mm -hmm. And those guys are working toward those, you know, working towards that. And I think it's only a matter of time before. I mean, for me, Ryan Mirror, when he's when he's ready to go, he's going to be the starter. Um, I don't know what the situation is with Kevin Hartman. Or what level he's going to play at now. I mean, I thought Kevin Hartman did really well for Dallas, and it was kind of surprising that they let him go. Um, but Ryan Mira, for me, when he's on, when he's healthy, I mean, he he's a standout. I mean, he has the potential to be a really, really top goalkeeper in MLS. And, and obviously, he had hip surgery. He he had, he had a really long recovery. Uh, I talked to him a week ago, and he said he sounds. He said he's feeling good. He's lost weight. He's working to get his. He's working to you know put that weight back on and, and that muscle. Uh, but, you know, once he's ready, once Ryan Mir is ready and you have a steady presence in goal, uh, that's definitely a big boost for the Red Bulls because Luis Robles has been really shaky for them for several games now. And, uh, you know, he, he, it's definitely not helping, you know, helping them. Yeah, it's uh, he uh, there's times when he looks good and there's times when you're like, what the hell? Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it. it, it <laughs> I don't know where he, where he thought he was. I don't know if he thought he was on. <laughs> he looked, I, don't, I think he must have thought he was a safety, and it must have been a Hail Mary pass at the end I of the game I think he was standing like on that. the six-yard box, on the top of the six-yard box, and thought he was on the goal line. Oh, I, mean, I know. I mean, I, I can't. I, I, there's no real explanation for it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, give credit to the Red Bulls and their defense. You know, they, they were able to, to hold up, and Roy Miller continues to play well. I mean, this is one of the – Really pleasant, big surprises for me. And you know, when Mike Pecky put him back in the starting lineup, I thought it was—I thought it was straight jacket time. I thought it was like, "Are you serious? Are you serious? Are you really going to put him back in the lineup?" Uh, but he's done—he's done great. And uh, he, you know, he's keeping Heath Pierce on the bench, which is—you know what? Something's going to happen there. I can tell you right now because you cannot in MLS you cannot afford to have a three hundred thousand dollar backup fullback. It's not. It's just the economics of this of the league. Don't. That's just not something that's going to happen. So, you know, I know Heath Pierce is being a team player. I know he's. You, he's. You're never going to get him to say anything negative. He's just going to, you know, wait for his opportunity. And obviously, when you talk about Hamas and Olave always, always being kind of a, a step away from uh, being injured because he's really injury prone. So you kind of having that depth helps, but at, at the same time, you know, he. I. I know actually. I know for a fact there are teams that would love to have Heath Pierce. Uh, you know, I, sp- I spoke to one coach recently who, who kind of inquired about that and, and, and whether, you know, they would trade Heath Pierce. So I can tell you right now, if and when they decide to trade Heath Pierce, there will be a line of teams that will take him. All right, in Toronto news, because not, it's not all just Red Bulls here, Tim 
Lewicki has uh, taken over as CEO of Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. He was the previous president and CEO of AEG and uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment actually owns, I guess you didn't know this, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Rapplers, Toronto FC, and the Toronto Marlies. Who? Uh, for Toronto <laughs> FC, though, he takes over that. Uh, he's familiar with Kevin Payne uh, when Tor- uh, when AEG owned DC United, Don Garber. Uh, you know, expressed his thoughts and opinions that he was very happy to have him back in the league. And, uh, I mean, his first comment was that he's going to bring trophies to Toronto FC. I mean, a great move for Toronto. Uh, I mean, obviously, for for Maple Leafs Force to bring him in, and obviously it's going to be very beneficial for Toronto FC. I think it's big. I think it's big for TFC. And it's funny because I saw some comments from from some of the some of the usual, some of the curmudgeons who cover TFC and who kind of, write about or tweet about TFC and it was kind of you know I saw someone say something like oh it's not going to mean anything and let me tell you folks it will mean something because Tim Lowicki not going to necessarily be there day-to-day uh dealing with every single move they make but he's a big decision guy and he's someone who can get things done now he has other he has a lot of things to do in that new role, I mean, as you as the, you know, you you ran down that list of teams that that they own, <laughs> uh, and they, and and those teams, you know, for oh, the most he, part, he, do he, need help. And he has to fix uh, the Maple Leafs. If anyone follows hockey, he has to fix fix the Maple Leafs. That is important. Well, also, well yeah, and the Raptors. Too. Oh, yeah, the Raptors yeah. are, are aren't exactly uh, in good shape either. So yes, he has a lot on his plate. So anyone expecting TFC to be kind of the first order of business, that might be a little ambitious. But I'm pretty sure. That is a priority. It will be a priority, and it is something that he wants to do because, let's face it, uh, you know, he had a ton of success in L.A. Uh, after he brought Bruce Arena, he, you know, he, he got that done. He got, he, you know, he also brought Beckham, brought Robbie Keane. You have to give him credit for some pretty big moves. But it, as a, you know, he's, he, let's face it, the guy, he's a successful guy. He's got an ego. He definitely wants that on his list of accomplishments, having turned around Toronto a team that just hasn't done well, has never even reached the playoffs yet. Uh, I'm sure that is something that will drive him to, to make sure that, that things get done in a right way. And uh, I mean, I think they're already kind of heading in that way. I mean, between Kevin Payne and Ryan Nelson, I think they, they're turning things around. The team is better. You know, if, if games were 89 minutes long, Toronto FC would be in first place. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I may be exaggerating, but they've, at least four games, they've dropped points in the 90th minute. So they, they are playing better. And the scary thing is they're bringing, and it's not scary, but the good thing is for them, they're bringing in some, some more talent. They, they signed a young DP last week. And, and now there's talk that, you know, big, you know, they're, they're going to, Tim Loki said, you know, they Want a big DP? I think he told Grant Wall that that uh, you know that he wants to bring a big name, big ticket player to Toronto. So you already see it that you know he he wants to kind of run the, them in the in the same way he ran LA, and it sounds like the owners there are on board with that, and that should make Toronto FC fans very happy, and hopefully start getting those fans who stopped going to BMO Field to start going back because I got to tell you, it's sad. It's a sad sight to see BMO field so empty. Uh, that's not passion judgment because let's face it after five or six years of, of heartache and, and disappointment, you can understand why mm-hmm. some, why a lot of fans just aren't coming out anymore, but I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. The team's improving. And now they have a guy at the very top of the pyramid at, at that organization who can make some big things happen. Well, uh, let's talk about a team on the, on the other end of the spectrum that's uh, 
things aren't going well for them. DC United lost to Columbus Crew this weekend. That that the a game featured a, a, <laughs> unfortunately for DC United, the game had to be played. That the Columbus Crew fire their scoreboard uh, caught on fire. Excuse me. And the game got delayed for 50 minutes. And then literally after that, everything that could go wrong for DC United went wrong. They outshot the crew. Numerous chances. Goal called back for offside. And the crew had three shots on frame, and they scored all three of those shots. And for DC United, their 21 shots, seven on frame, did nothing for them. And, Ivis, when, when, when your team is bad, things just, things just get worse and worse and worse. It's crazy, man. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, they lose Chris Pontius to injury. Uh, Brandon McDonald uh, had a bit, had a shocker last all, week. They all, all three of those were his fault. Djokovic had a shocker. Um, man, I mean, what what's <laughs> they are it, they are they are at the rock bottom right now. They are the worst team in the league. I don't think anyone is really going to argue that point right now. And you wonder what's going to change or how will things change? And it's just so it's just funny because you, last year at the end of the season. You know, Dwayne Rosario gets hurt. Um, they they didn't look they, they didn't look like they were in, in good shape, and then they went on this run of results where they kept winning games. And I think we've talked about this in, in recent weeks, so not mm-hmm. to kind of get a little too repetitious, but they had that run of results where they 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 were grinding out wins, and and they were winning ugly, but they were winning, and they were and and they ended up with the third best record in the league. I mean, it was it was crazy, a team that was not playing well at all. And then that a team that really, when you talk about quality of play, it just wasn't one of the more impressive teams in the league. Had ended up with that good a record, and you know what? All that all that luck that went their way last year, it's all gone. They've completely used it up, and and now you just you just wonder what's going to happen because I mean, man, they are at the very bottom, and uh, and 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 are things going to get better? I mean, they they have a bye week now. They have a chance to re- re- regroup and, and, and maybe try to, you know, shake some things up. Ben Olsen has two weeks now to, 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 to work out, try to work out some kinks. Hopefully, it's Chris, hopefully Chris Pontius gets healthy. Nick DeLeon, who's been out, you know, hopefully gets healthy for them. Uh, but, man, I don't know, man. I don't know if they're going to be able to turn things around enough to stay in range, playoff range uh, until the summer when you – when let's face it, they have to make some signings. They have to – and make some signings work because that's really you know the listen any DC any DC United fans that are hanging the, their hats on on Andy Nahar's departure Nick DeLeon's injury as being why the team is doing so badly those things haven't helped but but it's not just about that I mean when it comes down to it this team has done a bad job on the international player front and in MLS you just can't get away with that for if you if you don't do a good job with your foreign signings. And you do a bad job for a couple of years, you're setting your team up for some serious failure, because you know while they have done a decent job on the, on the draft front, when you think about you know Perry Kitchen, uh, Nick DeLeon, Chris Pontius, uh, you know they, they they've had some good drafts through the years. But I mean, think about it. Look at look at their look at their roster and, and ask yourself like what quality international players have they had recently? You know what I mean? I mean um, Luciano Emilio is probably the last really good uh, foreign player that they signed. So, I mean, Hamdi Salihi, Branko Boscovich, uh, now Rafael, the Brazilian, who, while he had that great goal a month ago, has kind of gone, you know, just disappeared. He's gone MIA. He's, he's just not not been in the, in the in the picture. So if you're in D, it, the folks in D.C., I mean, 
this is it. This summer, if they don't work some magic on the transfer market, on the international market, uh, I think I think some heads are going to have to roll. Well, I mean, other than last year's you know remarkable season where DC United has 17 wins, I mean, DC United is almost on pace to to have their fourth out of five years, you know, you know, season ending with without double digit victories. But I mean, let's look at the crew right here, though. I mean, Federico Higuain picked up another goal, second goal in the season. Uh, he looked pretty good in that game, and uh, Arietta started uh, first game in a while. He picked up a goal, had a, had an assist, and I mean he looked really good in this game. And for the crew, I mean these two guys last year, Ivis, when these guys came over, and, and they got hot, and the crew really played much better with these two guys. And if these two guys can play well, you, you know you wonder what the ceiling could be for the crew. Well, I'll tell you what, Dominic Aduro has uh, has really helped give them a different element. I mean, you know Iguain's quality. You know, Arietta, you know, based on last year, you know, brought brought was going to bring quality to the table this year. But having Enduro and having that speed and having him now look like a real threat uh, in the attack is is really giving them an an, 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 an added element. Um, I mean, they, you know, Columbus is interesting. They're they're on the they're right there. They're on the fringe. You know, they're on the fringes. They they, they have these games where, where they look great, and then they have these games like they had in Chicago last week where they just look pretty awful. Um, but I, I, I'd say they're, they're with DC's demise. Um, I think now they're, they're you have to like Columbus's chances, mm-hmm. uh, of, of possibly getting into the playoffs. I mean, Philly, the Philadelphia union, I think it's between the Philadelphia union and Columbus. I think they're going to be the, the, the two teams kind of fighting it out for that fifth playoff spot. Um, if things don't change too much, but, uh, the fire, this scoreboard fire, I mean, that was, uh, you know, it, it it was good to see the the reporters on scene, uh, seeing the reporter instincts kick in, and 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 we started getting all the Twitter updates and all the photographs and uh, and all the coverage. It was great. I mean, just seeing. I mean, it was <laughs> unfortunate that there was a fire in the stadium, but it, it was it was kind of cool to, to see the coverage of it uh, to kind of give you that sense of of, how, of what you know what was going on there. And uh, it, it, it's I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's kind of a you kind of hope that it's nothing too serious. Um, I mean, people need to realize Crew Stadium has been around. It's, it was the first stadium, you know, and it, and it's kind of when you look at when you you know I don't, I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you go there and, and and you think, you know, when you remember in the early years, I mean, I remember going there like twelve years ago, or you know, around when it first opened, it was like, wow, this is cool. This is a new state, you know, the league has a stadium. This is this is progress. This is great. But now you go there. And you look at it and you compare it to, you know, Red Bull Arena, Sporting Park, Rio Tinto. I mean, you're kind of like, man, this place is a bit of a dump. You know, like, where, where, what's... <laughs> it, like, o- it opened in 1999. I know. But it's just <laughs> it's just crazy how, you know, in just 14 years, uh, it, you know, the progress in stadiums has kind of left it, you know, le- left it looking like a relic almost. Well, all I mean, right. it's still a great venue. I mean, hey, USA-Mexico games, I, I still think they should be there. Uh, and it was funny. I put a tweet out that I think a few people got a little upset about. when I, I, I tweeted something like, uh, as long as the scoreboard's ready for September 10th for USA-Mexico, everything will be okay. And I got a couple of nasty remark- responses about that. Obviously, I was being sarcastic. Oh, what they but, say to uh, you? No, nah, they were like, oh, that's uncalled for or, or you know, insensitive, and I'm like, settle down, people. It's a it's a fire. Like it, 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 a, the stadium scoreboard 
caught fire. They put it out. No one's hurt. No one died. It's 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 okay. Settle down, people. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's still people need to like as as bad bad as the stadium might look compared to the newer stadiums. I think people still need to respect it for for the importance it has because it will always be the league's first stadium. And between that and the USA Mexico games through the years. It's it, it should still be that place that you know USA fans should try to get to, just to just to experience it and, and just to think about the history that's been there, the the young the, the brief history of it, the thirteen years. Think about all the things that have happened there since then. I mean, with three USA Mexico victories, uh, you know that it, it, I, I think that place holds a special place in the hearts of, of plenty of American soccer fans, not just Columbus Crew fans. Um, I this uh, uh another game that was kind of interesting this this weekend was New England Philadelphia. New England defeated Philadelphia two to zero, and for the Union, they uh, I mean we, we talked about how things have been looking better for them, and and I guess we could say maybe they got fat by playing some some teams that were not as good. You know, I'm thinking about last week's victory over DC United. Uh, but for the Union though, I mean, for a team that we thought was kind of maybe growing up a little bit, they kind of took a step back here and. And uh, I mean, not, they didn't big big time step back for the union right here. I think. Well, I think it's just kind of a it, they were overachieving a bit. I mean, and and like you said, I mean the result. You know, some of the results were against some weaker competition. Uh, but I, I think in this case, you had a, you had two teams kind of heading in different directions. In that, you know, Philly was probably a little confident, probably riding high a little bit, feeling themselves a bit after the win last week in DC. And on the other side, you had New England coming off a whipping against the Red Bulls, four-one, uh, you know, beatdown. And and then there, so New England comes back home. It's the first home game after the 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 Boston bombings and the tragedy up there. So you know, you had a lot of fans who came out to the stadium uh, at Gillette that you know they wanted, they needed to see a good game, they needed to see a, a good result. And I think, and I think the Reds responded in that in that fashion. And they, uh, you know, they, they took it. They really took it to the union. And uh, I think that's where we saw a young team, the union, a young team. Uh, and, and they were hit by that. They, they, they weren't ready for that. And uh, I, I think it's just part of the growing process. It's going to be that kind of season. And I think that I, I think and I've been saying it for, for weeks now uh, about the union that, you know what, you have to take it easy with them. They're going to have their growing pains. They, they're overachieving a bit, but it's good. They're going to come back down to earth a bit. And that's what we saw. So I think people need to slow it down a little bit with the union. There's there is promise there. Uh, they did you know they did come out of the gate stronger than maybe some, and including myself would have expected. But they are going to have their issues. So before you go saying they're a playoff lock, before you go saying Jack McInerney is going to score twenty goals, I think, I think you might want. Oh, you mean Chicharito? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, <laughs> we're not we're not we're not going to. We're not going to discuss the "quote unquote" American Chicharito today. Um, okay, okay, okay. Let's 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 move on from there. We'll, we'll quickly. I mean, but for Sebastian Latou, when when is when is he going to be back in the starting eleven? Uh, you know, it's an interesting one, man. I'm I mean, serious. I mean, Connor Casey, yes, he's, he's been. Play- I mean, we talked about it. He's been playing well. He's fit. He looks good. But you just wonder when Latou's going to be a factor again. You know. So here's the issue. Mm-hmm. Break Latou, it down. Break it down, Ivis. Latou prefers to play forward. That's where he feels he's best utilized. He mopes around when you make him play in the midfield. This has been going on for a while now. Mm-hmm. And this happened, you know, 
there's a reason he bounced around quite a bit. I mean, he there's a reason Peter Novak wanted to trade him. There's a reason Vancouver traded him. There's a reason New York traded him. Um, you know, he as a forward, he just hasn't, you know, he had those great years in Philly when he was like the target guy. Uh, everything had to go through him. Everything had to be fed through him. And he had a, he put up some pretty good numbers. But you know what? The union didn't win that way. And they weren't going to win that way. So you have to ask yourself, <laughs> you know, is, is there going to be a team that's going to make him the target of an offense so he can rack up his stats, but then the team might not do well? Or do you go with other options that work better as a team and then maybe bring him off the bench or maybe put him in a different role? And that's the thing. I mean, he's someone who, as a midfielder, I think can help. But if he doesn't feel comfortable there or if he's just not working there anymore, then, you know, you have to leave him on the bench. If you're, if you're John Hackworth, because let's face it, Jack McInerney is the guy now. He is their, he's their go-to guy. And Connor Casey makes him better. They work perfectly as a combo. When Connor Casey's healthy, having him to run off of, having Ma- him for McInerney to run off of and, and, and work in combination with, I mean, it's working well. Uh, there's question. The questions are in the midfield, and if Sebastian Latou, uh can't wrap his head around playing as a right winger, um, then he's just going to have to stay on the bench. And uh, you know, that being said, I mean Connor Casey, you know, he's not exactly someone who's he's not an Iron Man who's going to play 90 minutes for 34 games. He's going to miss games. He's going to come out of games early. So having the depth doesn't doesn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think anyone who expected Latou to go back to Philly and, and and put up the numbers like he did his first time in Philly, I don't think they were paying. I just don't think those people were paying attention to the last couple of years. Well, for the uh, New England Revolution, I mean, Jay Heaps changed up that the 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 the, the formation that New England had uh, in the game, and I mean, he gave Lee Win a lot of opportunity to create a lot of space. I mean, New England scored both those goals late, and Lee Win had the had a had a had a I believe he contributed to the to the first goal. Then he scored a goal. Himself and 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 just I know this is maybe I'm gonna he might laugh at me, but a player like Lee Win, where we've seen we've seen moments like this in his career, Ivis, where you know he shows these where we're like, God, man, he's a really good player. Then there's times when he disappears, but for a player like him, if he can turn it on, I mean, is he a guy that maybe we could consider for the U.S. Gold Cup possibly? Because I mean, the talent's there. We we see the talent, but he's not consistent. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he since he's since he's been in MLS. Especially last year, no, no, no. Some games this year, like he, there's quality. I mean, this, he's he's yeah. a very skillful player. Uh, for the international level, I mean, he's. I don't know about that one. You know, I think he's he's someone he's on the radar. I put it to you that way. I mean, the, let's face it, the, the the options on the wings for the U.S. Uh, the pool isn't exactly like <laughs> overflowing with with quality wing options. So, from that standpoint, you, you can't write him off. But uh, he's done well, and he had a really good game there. Uh, he, he he was there, you know, probably their man of the match. Um, they, they think they they have some talent there in the midfield. When you think about Win and Kellen Rowe and, and Fagundes, who you know one of the better young players in MLS, uh, the the talent is there um, in for them to create some chances, and it, it clicked pretty well against Philly. Although you know what, Philly didn't didn't really come out well in that game. Um, but I still say you know Sire Sen, I want to see Bankston and Sen together. I want to see what what that lineup will look like. Four four two, those two guys up top, and then Kellen Rowe and uh, you know Lee Wynn feeding those guys. That's what I, I want to see how that works. I want to because I think I'm going to tell you what a healthy Sirsen and Jerry Bankston together will be a handful. I think so. You know, it seems like he still send send play 29 minutes. 
seems like he's still being brought along a little slowly, which, you know, let's face it, he had, you know, torn ACL. It's going to take a while. But uh, I think when he is finally ready, that's when we're really going to get a sense of how good this New England attack can be. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They, 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 they do have some talent. They do have some quality. It's if they can get it all together. Well, speaking of a team, Ivis, that's uh, getting it all together, the Portland Timbers, I'm sorry, your Portland Timbers, <laughs> uh, came back twice against Sporting Kansas City and then grabbed another goal late, and then held on for it was like the most intense 10 minutes ever. Um, but for Portland, I, amazing, Ivis. Just just amazing what what they've been able to accomplish this season. And it, it's it's the, the, the comments for the Portland fans, because I, I, it's funny, because like, they're all pinching themselves. Like, they don't believe it. That's it. Listen, folks, that was a statement victory. Uh, for the Portland Timbers, because I mean, it wasn't just a win. It wasn't just that it was because it, it, it was the way it was, they won. I mean, we're not talking about the Timbers going in the Sporting Park, parking the bus, and nicking a one-zero victory. They went into they went to Kansas City against a strong Sporting KC team in a place that they don't lose often, and they went toe to toe with them and beat them at their own game. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of <laughs> A lot of people uh, go to Kansas City and park the bus, uh, defend and counter, and really don't play soccer. Uh, but that was definitely not the case with the Timbers. The Timbers took it right to them uh, and, ma- and matched them. You know, chance for ch- uh, they, they really went back and forth and, and, and created chances. And uh, you know, when you talk about shots on target, KC had eight, Portland had seven. So you know, it was, it was a fairly even game. But they just took it to them. Um, and it, it was that kind of statement victory that, that served notice around the league that they are a legitimate team. They are a good team. And I'll tell you what, I, well, I, I'm well, feeling really good about my preseason pick, having them in the playoffs, because I they are absolutely looking like a playoff team. Well, I mean, it's, uh, Portland's last four games right here. I mean, they defeat the Houston Dynamo, defeat San Jose, draw San Jose, and now defeat Sporting Kansas City. So, as we said, with certain teams... You know, <clears throat> New York Red Bulls, uh, Sporting. I mean, uh, Portland Timbers. They're not fattening up on on easy teams. They're beating quality teams with quality players, and they're looking good in the same time. And and, and out of, out of the uh, the quotes from the game, the one that I love the most is Ryan Johnson said something along the lines of, "You know, this this team is gonna the, the team's gonna keep fighting. They don't feel down." He said something along those lines. And for Portland, you you gotta love that. I mean, the, the guys all believe that they're playing well and they're going to be keep playing strong and they're getting production of the guys they brought in immediately right now. I mean, things are going well they, for Portland. Well, they're just they're they're really buying into Caleb Porter's yeah. system and they're really believing in in the style of play that they've adopted and the way that they respond after going. Down I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The quote. I'm sorry. The quote was Brian Johnson. We don't fear anyone. Sorry. I, I I just want to make sure I got the right quote. That's the quote. Right. Well, listen. If you look at the schedule and look at the results this year, I mean, they come back. I mean, it seems like every single week they're finding a way to come back. They're finding a way to uh, just, you know, respond every single week. And, and, you know, again, it'd be great if they weren't, if they kept, didn't keep falling behind in these games. But it's just crazy to think about how many times now at halftime uh, they've been losing and they've come out in the second half and just played great and, and gotten the results that they need. And, you know, it, the sense I've gotten from Caleb, Caleb Porter and just talking to him uh, about the state of the team is that, you know, he 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 admit he acknowledges that it's a work in progress, 
in that the players are still kind of learning each other. They're still learning the system, uh, but it's really starting to click. And they're only going to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. as good as as well as they're playing right now, they're still not there. They're still not where they're going to get to, uh, where they'd like to get to. And they're still also not done adding to that team. I mean, I reported last week uh, some of the some of the players that they're looking at at, at center back options. They're gonna go. They will go get a center back. That that's part of the you know part of their plan right now. Well, they're gonna have to. Right. And they're having but, some injuries right there. I mean, f- uh, they, I mean, they had another player go down. I and mean, Footy Dansu, he had to get subbed out of the game. Right. I mean, they, yeah. So, I mean, well, not, yeah, that, well, that even adds to it now. So maybe they have to go get two guys. I mean, I don't know how serious Danzo's injury is, but, um, they, I tell you what, man, they, they, they've become, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, they're not, you know, they, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. They're a fun team to watch. And even if you're, if, I mean, maybe Seattle Sounders fans wouldn't enjoy watching them, but I think most Stop. people. Stop. Oh, my God. People are going to hate you right now. No, it's just, it's reality. Seattle set, Seattle. He hates Portland, Portland hates Seattle. That's just how it is. The point I was going to make was pretty much no matter who you like, mm-hmm. you can put a you can put a Timbers game on nowadays, and you're going to see some good soccer. Yeah, um, and that, that's just how you know it's just what they're they're playing really well now, and and it, and it's it's a good thing to see in the league. You know, you want to see quality soccer. You want to see uh, attack attempts to play attacking soccer and not overly negative soccer, not overly physical soccer. You know, every, you know everyone's different, obviously. But it is refreshing to see another team kind of try to really play. Well, the thing that's amazing for Portland is they're now only one point on the road away from equaling last year's season total points on the road, which was seven. They have six. Think about that. That's, yeah, they're, that's, they're yeah. practically road warriors yeah. at this point. I know. Point. It's, uh, it's crazy amazing. how as bad as they were last year. Yeah. Uh, sporting Kansas City, though. Uh, back-to-back losses, and I mean, there's really not much you could say about. It. I mean, you lose the Galaxy, and then you lose the Portland Timbers. I mean, Portland Timbers are not. I mean, they're not. They're, like I said, I mean, they're a quality team now. Uh, Chance Myers, first two goals of his career. I mean, he scored. I think what the first 41 seconds of the game, and for Sporting Kansas City, I just just tough losses back-to-back weeks. Well, it, it's uh, it definitely raises some 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 concerns there, and and you know. Well, coming into the year, the question, the real question was going to be, how would they deal with the losses? Roger Espinoza and mm-hmm. Kai Kamara, two players who really, really helped them play that high pressure system that they play, and and you know, two guys who covered so much ground. Uh, you know, when a player like Kamara was so athletic and such a force, such a physical force, as we're seeing now, it's at Norwich City, you know, where he's become a, a regular starter. Um, so, you know, coming into the year, obviously they added some players. They added Benny Failhaber. Um, Yuri Rosell became a starter. But, you start, you know, with these results now, you kind of ask yourself, like, how much have they lost because of, of the players that, that have, have, have moved on? Um, I still think they're a good team. I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they just ran into a Portland team that was playing well. Um, I, I, you know, if you think about the teams they've lost to are the Galaxy uh, and now Portland. I mean, those – the it's, they didn't lose to to seller dollars. They lost to two teams. Yeah. They lost to the, the champions, and they lost to a team that's on really good form right now. So I wouldn't necessarily press the panic button in Kansas City just yet. I think they'll be fine. Um, so you know, I don't, I don't think I don't think it's time for you know Peter Vermees to shake things yeah. up. I think he's. I think things are you know things will be just fine in uh, Kansas City. Well, especially against a team like Portland, where you said it, 
all season long. They're, they're going to keep fighting back. They're, they're not going to go away quietly into the night. God, I can't believe I just said it. That was horrible. Um, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Last game, that was just horrible. <laughs> is that from, like, independent? I don't know. I, I give people permission to kill me in the comments for that. That was horrible. Um we also like uh, last game. Let's talk about here. Uh, LA Galaxy defeated. We also like two to zero uh, in a game that was missing c- quite some quite some names. I mean, no Donovan, no Keen, uh, no Cuccini, and then no Finley, no Sabarillo, and Brian Rowe. To talk about a performance for the young Galaxy goalkeeper, Bruce Arena went on like a long thing praising him for his performance. And uh, for the Galaxy, I mean, hey, they they can show that they can win without their big-name players. I got to tell you, this isn't the first time he's done it, but Bruce Arena, through the years, uh, if, I, if I had a nickel for every time he's gone into a game and put out a lineup missing a ton of top players and managed to get a result, it's unbelievable. I mean, he, he's done it. He's, he's done it so many times uh, that it's not even a shock anymore. But, but when you saw that starting lineup going into that game, uh, no, no, uh, no, Landon Donovan, no Robbie Keane, Todd Donovan, Carlo Cudicini. Um, you know, for them to go into Rio Tinto and get that result. I mean, look, let's face it, Rio Lake outplayed them in terms of in terms of the ninety minutes of, of soccer. They created more chances, ton more possession. But you know, the Galaxy got their two early goals and and held on. And the fact that they were still able to get a result. With playing, you know, missing those those key players. I mean, it just shows you how good they are and how deep they are. Um, obviously, it wasn't all good news for LA. They lost Jack McBean to uh, what was reported as a broken collarbone, um, so he's now going to be out for quite a while, and that pro- you know pretty much is going to dash and you know his chances of the uh, of being on the U twenty World Cup team, which you know it, it, it seemed anyway were kind of a long shot based on Todd Ramos's comments lately, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of disappointing to see, especially, you know, he was getting good minutes early on in the season at his age. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Uh, but, you know, Galaxy fans can cheer up because Giassi's artist has arrived. And uh, I got to tell you, for people who don't know uh, about Giassi's artist, I mean, he is, you know, he was one of the best players in the country in college uh, playing for CSU Bakersfield. Uh, for me, the top prospect coming out of college this year. Uh, and for him, to, you know, just to give you an idea, I mean, if he would have been in the draft, he would have been the number one pick in the draft. Um, he's that good. And for him to be a homegrown player for L.A., and for have them for, for them to be able to trot him out, and, and, you know, hey, McBean gets hurt, that's all right. We just have the best college player in the country making his MLS debut. I mean, I got to tell you, folks, you know, he – this kid is legit. He, uh, he he had a, he had a foot injury, which obviously uh, you know sidelined him and, and 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 delayed his arrival. But people people need to realize this kid is for real, and you're going to see that he's going to get minutes, and he's I'm telling you, he is going to be one to watch. And for Real Salt Lake, just uh, I mean, they're I think this is what we're going to see out of them, Ivis, all season long. Just they're just going to be an up and down team all season long, and I think they'll squeak their way into the playoffs, but. I don't think they're going to turn into a, a dominant team anytime soon. Yeah, you know, I mean... Uh, they'll get in. I think they'll get in. Right. I, I mean, I still see them as a playoff team. Uh, but we we are really seeing them feel the feel the pinch of losing. For me, I think Will Johnson has, has been the real big loss for them. I mean, obviously, Hamas and Olave left, but I think Chris Schuler's done well. 
and uh, yeah, you know, fucking, huh? he's looks good, Chris Schuler. I mean, he's, right, he's, right. he's no, I agree. I've, I've been on the I've been on the Schuler bandwagon for for years now. Uh, but Fabiana Spindola leaving, I, I don't I don't think that's hurt them as much. But I do think Will Johnson. I think people who see Will Johnson doing so well with Portland now, and you see RSL struggling, you have to put it together. He was an unsung player for them for years. You know he. He, he was overshadowed by Kyle Beckerman and Javier Morales during his time there. But now that he's gone, you really you really understand just what he brought to the table there and just the amount of, of, of you know, work rate and, and, and how much ground he covered, how much support he gave them in, the, in defense and attack. And they just haven't recovered that. They haven't. I mean, Luis Gill is a nice player. Obviously, he's a young talent. Uh-huh. But they don't have another player who can do what Will Johnson was able to do for them. And I think that's hurting them a lot. Well, I think that's also the the scary thing about Real Salt Lake, though, is is when you look at their players, I mean, yes, they, they do have some very good players, and they're not that deep, though, but they're able to still, you know, dominate games with, with the guys that they have. And you, and you kind of wonder, I mean, you know, if they're able to bring go out and, and, and get another player that can really help them out in the attack, because their attack is, is really kind of hurty right now. I mean, with Finley injured, Joao Plata's a great player, but, I mean, he's not a starter and he's starting games for them. I mean, he's a bench guy. And, and if Real Salt Lake can kind of hover around with what they're doing right now, I, I really think if they can go out and get another player, I don't know where they would get him from, but if they can, I really think that they're a team that could maybe make more of a push at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think they're that far away. I mean, I think Finley... A healthy Finley obviously helps them, uh, you know. I, but I think you know they, they've been some of these games that they've lost. I mean, they, they haven't played badly. I mean, you just look at this LA game. I mean, they had they had a ton of chances. They had, they had you know they had the edge in possession, which I mean the possession stats were were crazy. I mean, possession they had a seventy two to twenty eight possession edge. I mean that's crazy. I mean total passes six hundred to two twenty one. I mean that's crazy. So to, I mean let's be fair. It's not like they're playing bad soccer. They're just not putting the final touch on. They're not. They're they're not. You know. And this has been an issue for them for 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 a while. Um, I mean, even last year, early last year, if if we, if we remember, mm-hmm. um, which is why they you know they they were out of the um, the Champions League was was that was finishing was a problem, uh, and they were hoping Finley would be that guy. I tell you what, Omas Garcia, for me, is looking like one of the better young uh, foreign players to come into the league. So he's someone to watch for. I think Gar- uh, Garcia Saborio combo would definitely, mm-hmm. you know, when we see that develop, I, you know, I, I think they'll be there. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they play quality soccer. So, yeah. Well, um, that's the, J- I mean, that's, that's what Jason Christ does. I mean, that, that his teams will always be like that. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not as down on them maybe as you are, but I, I, I uh, it's clear they are not what the, <laughs> they are not the team they were because you know what? And I think Will Johnson departing, I believe, you know, going on Portland, that 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 one they're not going to make up for anytime soon, but they're still going to be in the playoffs. And if Omas Garcia keeps playing well, I think they're going to be right there. Uh, Ivis uh, Montreal uh, defeated the Chicago Fire two to zero this past uh, weekend. Montreal, you know, with, with the victory, you know, stays on top of the Eastern Conference. And uh, for the Chicago Fire, I mean, they're they 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 kind of looked like they were getting better, but they just this is just another step to, that they're not there yet. Yeah, I mean, clearly they, you know, Montreal's a good team, and uh, you know them, them. They, I think they did. They have bye week last week. I think I think the week off helped them. Uh, it definitely helped them because you know they had it. They had that run of games, um, and, and when you're talking about an older team like they are, uh, I, I think it was gonna. 
definitely give them a boost. Uh, I don't know. The Fire, they're, they're a tough one, man. They, they're still a team that needs a star forward. They need a DP. They need to go get somebody who is a difference maker up top. Sure, Jill McDonald is not the no. guy. He's not. I mean, I, I mean, calling him a DP is is one of the more misleading things I think I've ever heard. Because yes, you know, while he might meet the bare minimum requirements for what a DP is, he is not a big ticket guy. He's not Robbie Keane or Henri or, or you know, obviously he's not those guys. But he isn't even. I mean, for me, I mean, there, is he even in the top half of forwards in the league? You know, like he's not. He's just not that. He's just know, fast. He, yeah, you know, and, he shows and, flashes. And, and, and he has, like, the worst touch in the final third ever. I mean, <laughs> dude, seriously. Yeah, I mean, dude, keep the ball on your feet. Stop dribbling. Right. He's a, he's a secondary guy. Oh, God, uh, and no. until they get uh, someone else up there, you can't have him lead your attack. You can't have him be the focal point. And it's almost like when you look at their lineup, right? I mean, when you're, you know, they're playing at 4-5-1. You know, they, they, ha- they do have Rolf and Yarko. They, they have some guys, but... When you have him up top, it's like, I mean, I wish I had the, 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 the think of the right analogy for it, but it's just, it's ugly, man. He's, he's just, he's just not that good. So until the fire go spend the money, get themselves a real target forward, a real quality forward, mm-hmm. they're going to struggle. And defensively, it's and, still the same issue. Yeah. Free they're, missing, they're missing on Friedrich and, uh, you know, it's, and, and then obviously at right back, it's their work in progress. Whilst Thompson suspended, I thought Wells Thompson's actually been playing pretty well at right back. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that helped them either. Um, but who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the, fi- I think, I think if I'm the fire, I need to go get me a center back. I, 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 not only just forward, but a center back. Cause I don't know what's going on with the Aaron Friedrich situation. Um, if you're the fire, you need to be on the phone with, I mean, as far as I know, actually, I think the fire had been in talks with the union about Baki Sumari, but I, you know, Sumari makes a lot of money. Um, so I don't know if it can work financially, but if you're the fire, you need to go get, whether it's a Sumari or Heath Pierce, uh, you need somebody because I don't know what's going on with our Friedrich. I don't know how close he is. They can't wait that much longer. I mean, they, they're going to fall off the pace completely and, you know, nothing against the Anibaba Austin Berry, uh, tandem. Uh, it's just not like they, they need a leader there. They need a veteran back there. And, and, and while both those guys are talented, younger guys, I think when they work to, when they're together, it's just you end up having a back four that's lacking that that kind of leadership in the middle. Ivis, uh, the show is uh, is running a little long right now, so we're gonna do a speed run, speed round uh, through these teams really quickly. Uh, Vancouver versus Dallas, it was draw two two, and there's not much to say except for it was the uh, Kakuta Mene show, the 18 year old rookie. What what a showing! He, he, I'm telling you, the kid is talented. Martin Rennie needs to play him. He needs to get him on the field. He needs to keep him on the field. Uh, as for FC Dallas, uh, you know, I, I, I've been saying it for a while. Uh, the, eventually the schedule is going gonna, is gonna to come back and bite them. They're, they're going to come back down to earth a bit. So now we're going to see if they can keep it up. Uh, in the uh, Another game right here. Uh, I lost my notes. Uh, Chivas USA, San Jose draw right there. And uh, for San Jose, we, we've talked about it. Uh, just uh, season is really not going well for them right now. Well, it's crazy. They, you know, they they took the lead. You like their chances, and then you got to give Chivas credit for fighting back in that one. Uh, two players that stood out for me: Shea Salinas, uh, another good game for for San Jose, and and I think having Salinas Chavez on the wings is definitely a big difference for them. Uh, nothing against Ramiro Corrales, but maybe you know I don't know if they can afford to have him on the field. 
uh, because they need the speed on the wings, and they, they're such a better team uh, when they have that. Uh, another game right here, uh, Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids. Uh, that was a draw right there. And for the Rapids, I got to say, this is this is an impressive result for them because they, um, I mean, they have, I think at this point, what, like 25 guys on the injured roster? <laughs> they, I mean, seriously, their whole they, team. Uh, yeah, I mean it's crazy. I think it, that is, they're they're pretty close to having just a U eighteen team uh, have to play for their for MLS, their MLS team. Um, kidding aside, though, they, you give the Rapids credit. They went into Houston, and Houston was flat. There's no other way to say it. They just did not look good, and the fact that they were able to even get a point was pretty impressive because they just did not look good. Credit to the Rapids for all the injuries they have for them to actually come out and and, and play well. I mean, Oscar Pereja, man, I got to give him credit because. Considering all the players they're missing and the injuries and the players they keep on losing, they lost another player today. Henry Thomas uh, crumpled into a heap in a heap in what looks like it could be a serious knee injury. Uh, that's another loss for them potentially, but they 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 still got a result. They still found a way to get a result. Uh, this Rapids team, man, uh, you know they're, they're they've impressed me with what they've been able to do. I mean, it's okay. That wraps up uh, the discussion on all the MLS teams. That, that was the first time we've gone through every single team. Do you know that? I'm sorry, I fell asleep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the uh, Americans in Europe. Uh, Clint Dempsey and Tonham, they, uh, they they drew Wigan this past week, and they really, the victory, they would have really increased their Champions League chances, but that that that, that draw was, was tough, man. It definitely was, but when you think about the fact that they nearly lost, oh, yeah. and, and they got lucky at the end there and got oh, a point, uh, it keeps them alive. Uh, obviously they still play Chelsea, so they have their, you know, they have their feet in their hands in a way mm-hmm. and having Arsenal lose to Man United obviously was big for them. Mm-hmm. So it, I would, I wouldn't say their chances are terrible right now. Uh, it's, it's going to be up to them to, 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 if they went out, they, they're obviously locking it up. Um, and with Gareth Bale playing, you know, continuing to play well, he was named the player of the year and, and the young player of the year on Sunday. Mm-hmm. By the Premier League, by the play, I think the Vader, the the, the players vote on that one, and you know, obviously, well deserved from him. Uh, but for Wigan, obviously, you know, they two points back of Aston Villa. They're still in the relegation zone, and I got to tell you, folks, circle the calendar because while the Premier League title race is over, Aston Villa visits Wigan on the last weekend of the season. Oh yeah, I know that game is going to be <laughs> crazy. Brad Guzan is going to have to go to Wigan and put on a show for their survival. And, uh, you know, it, it's just – it's shaping up for that. It's shaping up. Uh, and who would have thought, you know, that the game, the, the the big, the big, big, big game on the last weekend of the Premier League season would be Aston Villa-Wigan. But it's certainly looking like that. And uh, for Aston Villa, they're playing Sunderland today. Uh, so if you're listening to the show after after the game, sorry, we, we don't know what the result is. So uh... – yeah, um, and uh, for Stoke City at this point, it looks like they're clear. I, I know they probably were going to go down, but you know, there's there's always that slight chance right there, which is uh, which is good for the for the three Americans. You know, Maurice Adu is there, even though he's not playing. It's good for the three Americans that are, that are there at Stoke City. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the whole Brex Shade situation. Yeah, you kind of wonder about. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann had some interesting things to say last week about that, just pointing out the fact that you know he. It hasn't really worked out as a move. Uh, and, you know, I, I tell you right now, Breck Shea for the summer, you know, he might get shut out completely um, because 
the way the way things are going right now, I don't know if he's someone you necessarily put on the team for uh, for the qualifiers in June. And Klinsman's already said that if you're not on the squad in May and June, if you're a European player and you're not a, and you're not on the May June squad, you're probably not going to be on the Gold Cup squad because you at a certain point you have to take vacation. So the player, you know, those European players who don't make the, the May June squad and go away for a month, you know, he's not going to bring them in and try to get them fit for the Gold Cup. So if you're Brett Shea, man, I, it could be, a, if anything, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe having a, a, the summer off and, to have, and then have next year. I mean, Stoke City paid, paid, paid some good money to, to sign Shea. So, I mean, I think they see Shea, uh, Shea as a kind of a long-term investment. Obviously, you know, his, his, you know he's been a bit injured there. Uh, working on his recovery, but you know it, it hasn't quite worked out as uh, as you know most would have hoped for him. And uh, for the for the other American, Tim Howard and Everton, I mean they're they're uh they're they're on the outside looking in for the Champions League. They they should qualify for the Europa League. They have a big game against Liverpool uh, this weekend. And uh, for Everton, I mean, if they can qualify for the Europa League, awesome. If somehow they can find a way to get in the Champions League, which probably is not going to happen, but. Uh, I mean, Europa League for Tim Howard. I mean, that's that's good for Everton, but you know, there's probably gonna be some big changes for the for the club over the summer. Well, the, the big question and we we talked about it last show or last week was you know Dave Moyes. This is David Moyes. This yeah. state as you go. Uh, I think if anything, what U.S. fans should be happy or feel good about is the fact that Tim Howard has come back from that back injury uh, that he had a month ago and has been outstanding for Everton and, and really helped help them kind of put on a good run here. Uh, you know, they they're obviously gonna fall short. Uh, of the Champions League, but you know they, they're finishing the season well. Uh, and then for the folks in, at Everton, uh, anytime they can finish ahead of of Liverpool, it's a good thing. And and if they yeah. win, if they beat Liverpool uh, in this next game, then they, they'll pretty much lock that up. Uh, let's go down a league. Let's uh, talk about Stuart Holden and the Bolton Wanderers right now, who would be in the playoffs to get promoted to the Premier League. Uh, Cardiff City, your team, Ivis, uh, is already in the Premier League for next season, so we have two Welsh teams in there. Uh, what is this world coming to? Uh, but Bolton, though, they have a Stuart Holden was called back after he was loaned out to Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, like I said, uh, Bolton has a very good chance right now, Ivis, of of locking a place down in that playoffs to uh, to to secure that third spot in the championship for promotion. Right. I mean, it's 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 definitely good. It's good news for Holden that they're in that mix. Obviously, there's still that that outside chance that if they can get in the playoffs, put things together, and become that be that third you know that playoff team that gets in the win promotion to Premier League. Uh, the thing with Holden is interesting is, is Jurgen Klinsmann has definitely uh, bought into into the idea of Holden playing a key role in the national team once he's healthy, once he's fit, once he's playing regularly. Uh, you know they like his, they like him as a player, and and the fact that he's missed so much time. Mm-hmm. And Klinsman is still kind of really in good communications with him. You know, he, he talked about him last week. And I'll tell you what, it sounds to me like if Holden can get minutes here and get into these important games for Bolton down the stretch, that he could be that surprise call up uh, for the May June qualifiers. He could be someone who could be on, on the extended roster. Uh, Klinsman said that he, he'd like to have a 25 to 26 player roster. For for that stretch, those friendlies and the qualifiers, and Holden could very, could definitely be if 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 he plays if he if he gets games for Bolton, 
he could be that kind of player who, who who sneaks on there. Maybe he doesn't play in those games, but the fact that he's in the mix again, he and he, he can join the team, train with the team, and then be a part of the Gold Cup team. I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility, and that's good news. But again, it still comes down to will he get games? Will he get minutes for Bolton? And that's going to be a tough one because they have obviously, you know, they have their squad. They loaned him out. He's coming back in now. He hasn't been in the rotation, so it's not a given that he's going to see time. But if he does. I think that then you have to like his chances this summer. Uh, when you talk about a player whose chances are increasing this summer, uh, Alejandro Bedoya, fourth goal of the uh, of, of in April that he scored. That's an all competition scored a goal this past weekend, and uh, I mean he's really coming on, Ivis, and a guy like him who I mean, we talked about his play. Uh, play. I mean he's a guy that that hustles and, and works his works his tail off. I mean he could be a guy that could really you know play a factor in that Gold Cup roster. Hey, I've been saying it for a while now. Just, uh, just as I, as I was uh, on the Demarcus Beasley bandwagon uh, early on, uh, when others were kind of writing him off, I'd say Bedoya is a guy who absolutely could be on that Gold Cup team. And and the interesting thing uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann talked last week about what the Gold Gold Cup team could be made up of, what the roster could be made up of, um, you're talking MLS players, talking Scandinavian league players, because those those players will be in. They'll be match fit. Their league seasons are going on, and that lines up perfectly for Bedoya. Um, you know, and the form that he's on uh, right now. I mean, like for me, I put him on the goal. He's on the Gold Cup team. As far as I'm concerned, I think he'll be on the Gold Cup team, based on the things that Klinsman said. As far as you know, those European fringe guys not being some the kind of players he wants on the Gold Cup team because of fitness. Uh, it just lines up perfectly. Uh, so. You know, you have players like Mix Discarud and Josh Gatt, who are obviously in that mix as well. Uh, but for me, Alejandro Rodoya, I think the, he's showing he, he can score goals. He can play multiple positions in midfield. He gives you an honest effort to a player. Uh, and, and I think it's it's about that time to get him in that mix. It, it'd be important. And, I mean, you said it right there, Professor. Go back and talk with Demarcus Beasley. Uh, it looks like him, his team has you know avoided uh, relegation in the uh, Mexican League. Yes, that's uh, big news for for Puebla. Um, obviously, mathematically, it's not official. It's not official yet because Querétaro could beat them twelve nil on the last uh, weekend of the season. I think it's something that ridiculous, but um, you know, it's big. It's big for for you know. For Puebla and for Beasley, who's done well there, that that's been a you know such a successful move for him, and, and I thought it was I thought it was great to see Hercules Gomez uh, make some comments as well. Uh, you know he he's a player who you know he 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 turned his career around at Puebla. He signed they're that first team that gave him the chance in Mexico uh, after he left MLS, and he uh, you know he made it happen. So you know from there. So that's a big result for them, the, getting the, the, the draw against Atlas. Uh, for, for them, you know, 84th minute equalizer at that. Uh, so, you know, th- they will not be relegated. And that's big news for, for a player like Beasley. It is. And it's, uh, I mean, for a guy like him who's getting quality minutes for a club, he's still going to be a possible left back option for that U.S. men's national team. Yep. And he, uh, yeah, he, and he went, you know, he's playing regularly, he's playing 90 minutes. Him and Michael Orozco played 90 minutes in that big game for, for Puebla this past weekend. Um, and, you know, it, it, an interesting one, along the lines of the, the Americans abroad front, talking about making so we can transition to the next player, uh, Fabian Johnson, 
played in midfield for Hoffenheim this yeah. weekend and had a great game uh, for them. And when you when you consider that and you consider about Beasley's success at left back in those in those March qualifiers, you have to start thinking about, hey, maybe you put Beasley left back and maybe you put Johnson in midfield and help out the midfield, uh, which has been struggling so much. Uh, it's something I, you know, Klinsman has fought that idea for a while because he, he, you know, I think he was worried about left back, uh, and his other options there. Uh, I, I think he felt good about having the position locked down, having a player like Johnson to be able to lock it down. But now I have a feeling that Beasley showed enough to give Klinsman confidence to maybe start him and give, and now be able to move Johnson up. It will be interesting to see uh, what happens with all of that. I just, that wraps up the uh, the super extended long edition of the SBI show today. Is, are there the most any... generic transition ever? I know <laughs> it was horrible, but Ivis, I'm I'm exhausted. It's 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 midnight for me. It's what three a.m. in the morning for you? Yes. Yes, we've had a long show. Is there anything else that we need to talk about that's soccer relevant? Uh, no, man. I oh, Luis Suarez, ten games. You call that one? Yeah, you know, I think the FA listens to the show. They heard me say 10 games, so they made it 10 games. I roll. His first bite, did you see the video of his first bite? Like, that one is, oh, I mean, Dracula he's just like, child. yeah, dude, he's like just, the guy's standing there, and then, like, Suarez is also standing, and then just goes in, like, face first. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he went straight to the juggler. It was like, oh my God. it was like a bad, uh, bad horror movie. What do you, does he stay at Liverpool? What, what What's his, uh, what are his chances? You know, I don't know. I think he stays, just because. Uh, he just means too much for them. I, you know, he's their best player. I just don't see him. I just don't see him moving. And Brandon Rogers loves him. Yeah, and well, he has to love him. Well, there. he has to love him because if he leaves, who's going to score goals? <laughs> Come on, man, John Joe Shelby. Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> Studich, Daniel Studich. Oh, they, 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 I don't want to get this Liverpool talk because all Liverpool people are going to keep talking. But I got to say, I'm, I'm excited for Liverpool's future. Are you really? Yeah, okay. I I thought I I thought I thought Brandon I like I'm a Brandon Rogers fan. I thought what he did this season was was very nice with that club. I that's that's all I'm gonna say. What did he do? Huh? <laughs> what did he do exactly? I just thought he made some smart moves. I thought the team's been playing better. He brought up some younger players. I just thought that uh, Liverpool just did well this season. I don't know. I'm not an expert on Liverpool. It's kind of man. it's kind of been a mess season. M E H man. Eh, whatever. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Ivis, have a great week. All right. You too, man. All right. And everyone, as always, thank you for listening. Ivis and I always appreciate excellent reviews on iTunes. We'll, uh, we know this show is not that great, but we'll, we'll come back strong <laughs> on Friday. Stop. <laughs> I thought we'll, we'll I, I sounded. Guest. Uh, we, did, we did have a guest lined up, but uh, it, it kind of fell through uh, on short notice. But we, uh, we, will, we will get back to having guests. I know some of you love having us having guests. I know some of you aren't necessarily sold on us having guests, but we will try to get a guess or two for, for the next show. Yes, we uh, we will. That wraps up the show today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This is the SBI Show.